0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Art of MMA. If you saw the intro, you are not confused. This is an MMA talk show. I am your host, Mike Ginn. But if you also saw the intro, you know why my co-host over there is one of the baddest men on the planet and why you do not want to fuck with him. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about the mechanic, Brandon Catino coming fresh off of his victory at UWA
1: Elite's 20th anniversary. Brandon, what's up, buddy? Hey man, it's always good to hang out with you guys on a Wednesday. talking to some fights.
0: What happened to your opponent? What happened to Mister Marquis, Fake MG, MJF uh, talking uh, all that trash, and then the day uh, of, uh, then the uh, day uh,
1: of, he pulls his
0: mangina. What happened?
1: Uh, apparently, uh, he he banged his knee. Some nonsense like man, that. He ain't hurt his knee. He hurt his mangina.
0: He was talking all that trash, and then he got scared.
1: Yeah, it's actually man. crazy because it was funny because I was talking about 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 a a bitch clause you know, for him, because I knew, because I knew he was going to be shook. And, I, and, I, and that's exactly what happened. Man, he talked all
0: that trash. And then some poor guy got in there and had to get victimized. Man. <sighs> anyway, if you don't know what we're talking about, or you missed the intro to this show, go back and rewind. Uh, Brandon absolutely uh, showed why he's one of the baddest dudes on this planet. But Brandon is not alone. I also have another guest this week. Of course, you guys know Cage My IQ's own Mr. Dan Bakley. Dan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Still recovering from the weekend. <laughs> uh, Dan told me off air he had a little bit of a wild weekend in Atlantic City. So uh, we uh, we it's the middle of the week, Dan. You should be good by now, bro. Yeah. Uh, I came off my festivities. Brandon has his. Dan has his. But yet we all still found time to talk about things like UFC 263. We had two title fights, one brand new champion. And of course, Nate Diaz, uh, he, he found a way to steal the show somehow, some way. Uh, we're going to talk about Bellator 260, uh, the fall of Douglas Lima, got a brand new champion over there as well. And then uh, Clarissa Shields made her debut, uh, it was a little rough at start. I uh, can't really mock Brandon anymore because he he was right. You know, he was right, but Clarissa Shields took care of business when it was time to take care of business. Uh, we'll talk about all that. Of course, preview PFL five this week, as well as UFC uh, Korean zombie versus uh, Dan Ige. And, the Rant's back again this week, uh, decided to make it a little bit permanent. This week, we're talking about refing and judging and MMA. And we're going to hop right into that. Guys, you ready to start talking about some MMA? I'm we can ready. talk about wrestling if you want. Either way, it's up to you guys. <laughs> no? MMA? Okay, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, this weekend was pretty epic. We saw a lot of great stuff. But one of the things that kind of stood out one more time is an experienced referee now. Not everybody is a Herb Dean. Not everybody is a Mark Goddard. Uh, you know, Big John. Like, there's some really solid referees that have been around for a long time, know what they're doing. Unfortunately, in my fight pick, and it had nothing to do with the fight result. It had with doing protecting the fighters. Arizona had a not a rookie, but a local ref doing the Jamal Hill Paul Craig fight. If you saw the fight, you know Jamal Hill suffered a pretty gruesome injury. Thankfully, it's not as bad as it seemed. Nothing was broken. It was severely dislocated. They popped it back in. We're going to have to see this week with tests and stuff if there's any kind of ligament damage and how long he's going to be out. But nothing was broken, thankfully. Paul Paul Craig uh, got the win, but Jamal Hill will be okay. Um, but you could literally see his arm flapping, and we don't know if he was – you know, the crowd was pretty loud. We don't know if he was, you know, screaming tap out or if he, he tried to tap out with his other arm looked like in the, in the slow motion, but the referee was on the other side. But it literally looked, took Paul Craig twerking on him to see his arm just going, tap, 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 and you can see that. Now, experienced referee, I've seen Herb Dean jump in there on something like that and just stop it because you, you can see. Um, sometimes the the adrenaline's flowing, the fighter's not quitting. You I'll drop this here. Brandon, you'll love this one. Here's a featherstone fact from our good friend, Bradley Desir. The referee's job is not to protect you against the opponent. His job is to protect you from yourself. That's what he said online right after that happened. Um, I've since went back. I've since there and looked, and, you know, we've talked about MMA judging, which is another problem in the sport as well. But I've since gone back and I've looked at the rules to be a referee, not just in Arizona, but places like Nevada, in other places. Your level of expertise in the sport is actually irrelevant. It's you got to learn the rules that they have established in the state, which is basically being book book smart as far as MMA. And you have to shadow a veteran like somewhere like Nevada, you got to shadow from six months to a year from a veteran referee, which you hope gives you enough experience to where you can step in. You do other things like taking the scorecards to the back prepping the fighters, telling the rules, so on and so forth. But there's really nothing to substitute with experience. And I, I kind of look at other sports, right? If you make a bad call in basketball, you might cost the team a game, uh, you, you but you very rarely will ever get an athlete hurt. Same thing in football. As violence. football is, if a ref makes a bad call, it costs them a game. It doesn't usually get somebody hurt. I mean, there's 1% that sometimes that does, but it doesn't usually get somebody hurt. Boxing and MMA are the exception and boxing, not even as much because you're really in there to separate the fighters, make sure there's no low blows or, or illegal blows to the back of the head or something like that. And count knockdowns and knockouts. MMA, there's so many variables So whether it's a submission, uh, a TKO, a knockout, everything. And these refs that are in there, you know, you look at Dominic Cruz's famous, uh, rivalry with Keith Peterson, uh, Some of these refs are just quite honestly not qualified to be in there and there's no system in place that can really justify as much as Herb Dean's come under fire the last year or so for some of the things that's happened. Herb Dean used to be an MMA fighter. A lot of people don't know that. He knows what it's like to be in that cage. Mark Goddard used to be an MMA fighter. He knows what it's like to be in that cage. I'm not sure about some of the backgrounds with like Mark Smith and some of the other guys, I know Big John does some MMA. I know a lot of these guys have been involved in the sport, whether they're teaching, coaching, training, or refereeing. Those are the top referees that we know. And their job is hard as hell, and we give them crap every single week. But for the guy who refereed, and I don't even know his name, the guy who refereed the Jamal Hill-Paul Craig fight should have never been in that position. The moment that arm went the wrong way, he should have seen it. At the very least, he should have heard Paul or uh, heard Jamal Hill scream because we all did. He should have seen it, and he didn't because he wasn't experienced enough in that sport in that moment, and that's my problem right now. And then you also go to MMA judging. Same thing, and I'm going to kick it around to you guys to get your views on it as well, but same thing in MMA judging. How many people are sitting there c- cage-side in MMA that are boxing judges, somewhat celebrities or know somebody who runs the business like whether they're in a casino or the apex or somewhere in las vegas somebody that knows somebody on the commission and they're like hey do you want to judge a fight this weekend and they're still doing it on boxing rules which has been brought up a number of times the whole 10 point must system in in america which i've long since said get rid of it do something similar to one pick a fighter pick a winner um or even open scoring, which Invicta and some others do. So it's a little more transparent. There's just too much money in things like the UFC that they don't want to do that. But Dan, I'll start with you uh, because Brandon's giving me that mean mug right now. And I don't want to piss him off again. I might catch a running knee, but so, so so Dan, I'll start with you as far as reffing and judging goes and the qualifications that it takes to actually be one, because believe it or not, you and I, and obviously Brandon, could qualify to be a judge or if we put in six months following somebody, a referee in the sport just by learning a few simple rules, especially people that cover the sport like us already know. So what is the fix to get people that can actually do this and keep fighters from getting hurt? Well, first off, I'll I'll put this fact out there. The only reason that ref
2: was there was because the original ref got COVID so he couldn't do it. So they had to find a replacement for him. So that's why he was there. But I would argue that off, they had more qualified replacements, yeah. that
0: wouldn't be an issue.
2: But to pull off of that, how he wrecked it was so bad. My co-host Miles made a great point within when Paul Craig had had his arm and he flipped him over. When that happens, your body's moving, but your arm's not moving. So he could have torn ligaments right there, and the fight should have stopped no matter what right there because of the potential damage he was going to take because he wasn't able to defend it. But for some reason, he kept it going. And then even when he got him locked into that triangle, you could see Paul Craig looking at him like, Are you going to stop it? Are you going to stop? He literally looked at him for five seconds and then he continued to punch him because he was like, I got to do something to get the ref to stop. He Punched him and and torqued him to where the arm was flat. And and then, and then Paul Felder made the the comment. He looks like he's tapping, but it's really just his arm is so loose that his arm is just going back and forth. I feel like a ref uh, should have to do exactly what a fighter does go in the regional scene. He should do all the qualifications first uh, and then go to the regional scene, work his way up as a ref to then get to the point where he has all that experience from refing the low end of the industry move his way up to then where by the time he gets to your UFC, he has done so much uh, experience with refing that it shouldn't be a issue. Uh, about his qualifications because he's done it so much. Whereas this guy, he just came out of nowhere and was stressed into a, a pay-per-view event on the main card. Yeah, where, not even
0: a preliminary fight, the main yeah. card.
2: And then uh, I've I've interviewed uh, Chris Lieben, who just got his qualifications, and he said that when he got his qualifications, that he had to take this big test. He did it. He's licensed in California now. But All the time uh, when he goes to events, he has guys like John McCarthy, Herb Dean, asking him questions, scenarios, and everything just to test him, just to make sure that he's ready, just to make sure that he doesn't make any mistakes. And he's like... I thrive on them asking me these questions because it builds my confidence. It lets me know that when I answer it right and then that they hold me accountable for what I'm doing. I don't know if that guy had that same experience because he was just thrust into it, but I think he needs to know the ins and outs. Uh, before he is thrust into being a a UFC uh, ref right there because he put that fighter in danger because he could have, yeah,
0: that move, it it happened, but everything after it could have been avoided. Yeah. It could have been way worse. I mean, his career could have been over. I mean, Brandon, Dan, Dan brought up a good point. Accountability. Um, Not very many refs. If they make a bad call uh, in from the top to the bottom, they make a bad call. It's pretty much like, all right, why'd you make this call? Okay, try not to do it again. And they just go about their business. Like they still still fighting the next, they're fighting later, they're refing later that card sometimes. Like this guy actually got pulled off because obviously Dana and, and the athletic commission could see he was a danger. Um, because he was supposed to ref one or two more fights that night and he got pulled out. Um, <clears throat> and actually, no, it wasn't the main card. Jamal Hill and Paul Craig, I'm pretty sure, it was in the prelims.
1: No, they were they were oh, the first they're, fight they're, of
0: the main yeah. card. First yeah, first fight. Yeah. yeah, okay, first one. Um, but yeah, Brandon, what do you think? Uh, how can we hold these refs more accountable as a commission, and the same thing with the judges? I mean, it's really the thing like
1: they've they've done like they've talked about this before about keeping them accountable, but the things like you could do is like especially like I want to say it's probably easier for a judge than it is for a ref, but for the judge, it's like they they're sitting cage side, so. Us as the fan, we get to see the whole thing because we have TV cameras and everything like that. While they're sitting ringside. so they're only getting one angle. So they might be blocked up for something. That would right, judges don't see, don't see the whole fight that we do. So that's why really what happens is they they get brought they get brought into an office, and I think they're shown the fight and they and they basically explain what it is that they saw. And that's how judges are kind of are kind of are kind of put off to the side with, with, with the uh, commission. Now, now ref on the other side. It really kind of is the same thing where they could say, Oh, this is this is what I this is what I saw. This is this is this is why this is why I did what I did. And usually, yeah, it is where they're just like, Okay, you know, this is this is his reasoning for it. And it's usually like the reasoning is kind of semi-understandable where you could be like, Okay, I can't fault him for that, you know, unless 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 it is just something just, just so blatant and so bad. And you, and like uh, I know it was a few shows ago or maybe it was a show last year where, where, where there was a guy who was on the prelims and he did a bad job and they had kicked him off uh, the rest of the show. I don't, I don't remember the name of the ref. <clears throat> well,
0: it's one of those things where UFC has more power over something like that. But if it happens at a CFFC event, what do they do, right?
1: Well, the thing, too, also, I mean, I want to say is, like, usually when they go to, like, when they're in these states, like, usually, like, usually like yeah, you know, you will, you will get your big-time reps, you know, your Jason Herzogs you know, your Mark Goddard, your Herb Deans, your, 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 Michael oh, uh, Beltrans. But also too, though, they usually will try to put one of their refs statewide. Like, I kinda wanna say on a state like Arizona, like Texas, even Florida, you know, they usually, in in, in, in and even in New Jersey as well, they'll usually put one of their guys in there as well in the prelims. My thing is I don't think Arizona gets the fights, like say a New Jersey does, where like Dan was saying, like, you no, know, you want that guy on the, on the regional scene. Well, people in New Jersey, they can have fights in New Jersey and they have fights in Pennsylvania as well. So they go back and forth. In Arizona, I don't know if their regional scene is, is big like that, where they can really get those reps in a refing a refing a fight. Like 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 if you were in California or Nevada, you know, New
0: York, well, you know, what Arizona is really famous for is wrestling and grappling. So, like, if anything, the judges and refs should be very adept to wrestling and grappling
1: I don't, I'm, I don't think those guys are doing, like, like legit, like, college wrestling, you know, collegiate wrestling or anything like that. They're just, you know, probably guys just, you know, watching fights and like, oh, hey, I think I want to do this. Yeah, or they the could problem. be guys who are, who are doing boxing matches, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and boxing reps, as, as you know, they have a hard time with their job. I mean, imagine having to look for so many different variables in an MMA fight. Like, you, anything can happen in an MMA fight. You know, to know like Dan was talking about laying down and knowing that you don't have a position to defend yourself. Like there's different things like that, Brandon.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. Like I mean, like I say, like you gotta like I want to give kudos to like I say a guy a guy like a I I want to say it's Tim Weeks. Tim Weeks, he's a boxing rep, but I think he's moved over, he's done he's done Muay Thai fights, kickboxing fights, ref and those. Like saying like yeah, you like you gotta give those guys props that we're just hanging out in the boxing world, but now they're now they're trying to expand their. You know their knowledge. You know and 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 getting getting into other you know other uh, uh combat combat arenas. But again, like you got those people who are really like professional professionals. I really take it seriously, and they and they do what they can. You know to get themselves better. Yeah, I mean there.
0: Are, see that the problem is is that there's only like you can literally. You just named almost every single major ref that we know. Mark Smith is probably the only one you didn't name, and yeah. it's like six guys that you know. At the top of their game, in a sport that is licensed in almost all fifty states at this point, I think it might be all fifty in the states at this point, but licensed around the world, these six guys can't be refereeing the entire world. <laughs> like you need more qualified, and there's so many MMA fighters, especially that that don't make it right. Like how many? <clears throat> you just did professional wrestling, right? How many mm-hmm. professional how many guys go into it and girls now uh, especially like females too now like Aubrey Edwards and all how many people go in there with this idea is I'm going to be a professional wrestler it doesn't work out and they transition into being a referee because they know the sport and the profession and the entertainment of that one well enough to where they can enforce it. I actually saw a story the other day and I know this is going to piss off people that hate us talking about wrestling so sorry. <laughs> but I saw an interview with Dean Malenko for those that don't know, Dean Malenko is a legendary wrestler, uh, wrestled for a long time. His dad was a Hall of Fame wrestler.
1: A man um, of a thousand holds, baby. Man of
0: a thousand holds. Um, man of a thousand jokes, too, if you watch the AEW uh, Unrestricted podcast. dude, Dude's hilarious. Unfortunately, suffering from Parkinson's, so uh, definitely one of my favorites of all time. But Dean was, a lot of people don't know this. Brandon, you're a wrestling fan, and I think, Dan, you are too, right? Yeah. How many people know that Dean was in the WWF back in the early 80s? Either of you?
1: I think, yeah. Do you know what he did? I don't know. I don't know exactly, no. His first job in the WWF at the
0: time was as a referee. Go back and watch the early, I think it was the '85. Macho Man versus George the Animal Steel match uh, on Saturday night's main event. When they came to Florida, Pat Patterson called him up, said, hey, we need a ref. You know the sport pretty well. Obviously, his dad's a Hall of Famer. He's been training. I think he was 19 or 20 at the time. Dean Malenko started off as a referee. And because he was so adapt to the sport, they actually kept him hiring him for like local events whenever he come to Florida. The reason I bring this up is because. All of these people, Dean Malenko, especially in wrestling, they have a background in it. Herb Dean, once again, Mark Goddard, Big John, background in MMA. They didn't make it as fighters. They were good enough. I think Herb Dean actually has a winning record. I think he's like two and one or three and one or something like that. For whatever reason, injuries, not enjoying what they're doing, whatever the case is, transitioned into being a referee where they enjoyed it a lot more for the last 20 years. We need more of those. We need more of those people that maybe Chris Lieben, another great example, his career is over. Because let's be real, a lot of fighters only fight till they're about 35, 40 years old at best. Heavyweight's a little bit longer. These guys and girls can now transition to being referees for another 10, 15 years in their career. I mean, what's Herb Dean right now? Anybody know, like 50? Maybe no idea, he's up there. He's been doing this for a long time. And he could keep doing it for another 10 years because he keeps himself in really good shape, does a decent job. Despite our, our criticism, he's better than the guy in Arizona. Um, So I will end the rant there, but MMA judging and MMA refereeing in one of the most violent combat sports. If we want to keep watching this sport and we want to keep it licensed and we don't want senators and Congress and everybody else coming down because these guys are getting hurt on a regular basis more than they should in a regular fight then we also have to regulate, regulate the sport ourselves. Um, the Dana whites of the world. I know Dana's always been critical of refs, but these commissions got to step up. They got to get more qualified refs. Something like Saturday should never happen on a major pay-per-view. It's bad when it happens on a regional show. It's worse when it happens in the eyes of millions of people that tuned in to watch two title fights and a five round Nate Diaz Leon Edwards fight. So that's my rant on this week. We'll find something new to talk shit about next week. Oh, so this is the part I've been dreading all week. But before we get to picks uh, and results, I want to let you guys know something. Right above me, artofmma.com/shop. Promo code skill. Uh, you'll see why when you go to the shop. Got a brand new shirt. Skill plus violence equals MMA. Also got a talk, let's do more shirt or uh, fight more shirt. And we also always got, got the legendary shirts. Brandon's course rocking the logo tee. I got the fighters first. What you wearing, Dan? You got an MMA art of MMA shirt? not today not today well that's why we <laughs> cut you off anyway um, good thing we can't see your shirt thing you don't count yeah um, art of mma.com slash shop go ahead and support the site uh, 20% off use the promo code skill all right guys I can eat humble pie I only went four and four last week push me down to second place among uh, all the uh, great hosts which is me and Brandon uh, and <laughs> Dan himself, 7-0, currently leads all the guests. Um, we don't count Alex Soto because he's only got two picks, and he is 100%, but got to have a little bit of qualification. It's like a batting average, right? Um, but Brandon Catino, 6-2, and took over the lead dog spot uh, for the host. I went 4-4. Four and four. Not horrible, but I did have a bad Saturday with the UFC. Did pretty good with everything else, uh, not counting uh, Douglas Lima. But other than that, let's go ahead and talk about some results. Let's go ahead and start off. PFL for 2021 season, Clarissa Shields makes her debut. We're going to hop right into that. Of course, also the continuation of the 155-pound season as well. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, I clowned you, Brandon. I'm sorry you sat there and said Brittany Elkin would pose a challenge. All of you guys did. But I didn't take it seriously. But for two rounds, it was very serious. Uh, Clarissa Shields was in a lot of trouble the first couple rounds. She kept her composure, which is, you know, you can see her training there. She couldn't stop it, but she kept her composure. Third round comes out. She sits down on the takedown attempt and then unloads on Elkin. And at that point, it was all over. Uh, Elkin couldn't take the barrage of firepower from Clarissa Shields. But I'll say this. That was the best debut Clarissa Shields could have hoped for because she faced adversity. She didn't quit. She kept going forward. It would have been very easy for her to tap out in the beginning and be like, all right, I'm gonna go back to the drawing board. See you guys in six months. She didn't. She, she fought through it. She, arm bar attempts, everything kept going. And then she adjusted. Coaches were like, look, she's going to come out and try to take you down again. What are you going to do to stop it? She sat down on that takedown attempt and unloaded. Brandon, I'm gonna start with you. Cause you gave me, you, uh, you championed uh, Brittany Elkin more than anybody. Uh, what happened in that fight? What's going on? what did you think of that fight?
1: Hey, man, it was a good fight. Uh, I mean, it was a good fight uh, to me. I thought both ladies did a real good job. Uh, Brittany Elkin, like I said, man, I want to say, like I said, her record was bad, three and six, but what she was doing for the past few years, but she was doing nothing but jujitsu jitsu tournaments. You know, that's why, that's why, and also, I think, she, I think she's a brown belt as well in jujitsu. jitsu So that's why, that's why I was a little worried about it. Uh, the only thing I can say is, man, to me, the only downfall for Brittany Elkins was when she got her down and she was on top, she didn't do anything. She didn't try to punch her. She didn't do any strikes. She didn't try to do any damage. To me, if she would have did that, this fight could have been over in the, in the first or second round. But to me, she was kind of just laying low, trying to hold her down, which is why I think she really gassed herself out. And that's why come the third round, she didn't have anything. And that's why. He, and to me, that's that's why she got finished. Uh, Carissa Shields, though. Like you said, man, she was real composed, hands uh, of, of course, right, was looking sharp. Don't think it's to me like she has to work on it, she just needs to work on her, uh, I want to say jujitsu awareness. Cause then was right, she would get down, then she would get up, and she would, and she could get herself free, right? Where she could just back up and be like, okay, let's stand up. But no, instead, she would try to keep her down, keep Elkins down, try to get on top of her, you know, and try and try to do her ground and pound. And that's when Elkins would then just reverse her, and then that's when you know Christian Shields is back on the ground. But like I said, it was her first fight. You know, I think, I think, I think, I think what she only got she only got down to Jackson Winks. What was it last December? Uh, and I think what she started doing some MMA sparring in like April. So I mean, in that short amount of time, she looked real good. I probably say you know just keep just have her keep working on her jujitsu, her wrestling, and uh, you know I would like to see who who they're gonna pick next for. Her. And what you think of her debut? I thought it was pretty good, like you said. Uh, I
2: think the one thing that I noticed from her that she can work on is she was a little too uh, gun-happy. She rushed a a bunch of things when she had the opportunity to strike, and I thought she could have slowed down a little bit, take her time, because a lot of times when she was doing it, she was putting herself out there to get taken down by Elkin. So Elkin was just taking the opportunities that uh, Shears was presenting her. But I think the the moment, I think the fight changed was probably 15 seconds seconds left in the second round. You could start to see Elkin get tired and then they got up and then Shearitz was uh, piecing her up good and at the end of the second you saw Shearitz get like Motivated, she, she looked happy. She looked like she was going to do something. And Elkin just looked down and out. She just looked gassed. And then the beginning of the third, she gets stuffed. And then she started getting teed off. And then she wasn't even blocking anything. She was just kind of high in her head on the ground. And, and it was just a matter of time before they stopped it because she she was done. And I felt like she was doing good with uh, just facing adversity, like you said, uh when she was getting taken down. Just like I said before, she just needs to take time with everything. But with that, it's just getting more reps in, uh, training
0: more, and then in time she'll be able to do it better. Like I said, it was a perfect debut for her because she, she, if she had came out and steamrolled Elkin, she wouldn't have learned anything. She wouldn't have learned anything. Now, that's her boxing style. What you're talking about, if you ever watched Clarissa Shields' box, she comes out to the center of that ring real fast. and But you don't have to worry about somebody taking you down in boxing. You come out, if you stand in that box, and same, Brandon will tell you the same with kickboxing. You come stand in the box, don't worry about somebody taking down. You can get stuck in a clinch, you can get held, you can do whatever. But 99% of the time, it's technical skill, skill versus technical skill. Who's going to land? Now, if you're Brandon, you might throw a knee or some body shots, get somebody on the ropes, come bounce off the ropes and hit a running <laughs> knee. But uh, Clarissa Shields, for what she did, man. <laughs> I got to say, like, I was impressed. Like, yeah, Brittany Elking got tired and gets to get a better opponent. Twista Shields might've been in trouble, but it's a good debut because she can learn from it and she still got the win. She still keeps the motivation. Like I said, last week, Ray Seffo ain't no dummy. Uh, he's been promoting for a long time. So I didn't think she'd have a challenge at all in this fight, but I'm kind of glad she did. Cause now she can go back. Like, this is what I didn't do. She lasted three rounds. She didn't get tired. So there's a lot of positives coming out of this for Clarissa Shields as far as learning and keeping her momentum going on to whatever the next thing is for him. We'll have to wait and see. We don't know how many 145 pound, 155 pound girls they have for, um, I'm still hoping the UFC at some point lets Felicia Spencer go and some, uh, maybe, well, Dumont's going back to 135, but some of these bigger girls that can actually step in there, give her a challenge Like against Felicia Spencer. She would have been in trouble because Felicia would have tapped her out. Mm-hmm. But Brittany Elkin, little different story. She gave her enough of a challenge to keep going. Uh, we had actually picked the Nathan uh, Schulte versus Alex Martinez fight. Uh, Schulte won via a split decision. They later moved Clay Collard into the co-main event. So we'll talk about those two. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the Schulte fight, though. Very competitive fight. Alex Martinez brought uh, the heat the entire time. Um, I don't debate the split decision. I thought Schulte won 29-28 personally. Uh Dan, I'll start with you. What do you think of that fight? I thought it was pretty good. They both went at it. I I felt like shorts
2: looked a little bit more hungry than he did in the first fight that he had. It came in, was throwing some shots. There there was a lot of grappling. I just, I agree with you. I thought he he stuck it out with the decision 29 to 28.
0: Brandon?
1: And, like, like I said, I felt that Scholte, like I say, he has something to prove. You know, he lost his last fight against uh, Marcin Hel. Uh, You know, he is a two-time champ. Uh, so, and also too, he wasn't going up against his friend this time. So this way, he can he can let loose. Now his opponent Martinez, again, now he was hungry too because the thing is with me, to me, Scholte, whoever he fights, they're all he's always going to get. He's always going to get their best reason because they're always going to look at him like this guy's the two-time time defending champ. champ yeah exactly so 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 so, same, so so they know if they if they can take him out then that way that they will they will get more name uh value and everything like that but again i agree with you guys like i said i you mean know, i pick i, I picked sholte to win he came through it was a close fight it was a good fight uh but like i said Schulte, but sholte he he had did enough uh to uh get his hand raised and
0: speaking of split decisions, I mean, this whole card, like not the whole card, but there was some close decisions in the whole card. Um, co-main event, uh, Clay Collar got another win uh, against Lutterbach, uh, split decision. That was a back and forth fight. Um, once again, I don't disagree with, with Collar getting the win, but Brandon, I'll
1: start with you this time. Do you think it was a good decision? Yeah, man, dude, Clay Collard, man, that dude was vicious out there, man. Especially when 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 homeboy was on the ground, he was straight booting him, man, like soccer kick style to his body. I was like, oh, this dude's getting after it. Like, I don't know what it is, man. Yo, know, Clay Collard, like I said, man, before you know, he was kind of so-so in MMA. Then he kind of left it, went to boxing. You know, he had some success there, got his name up. You know, people started starting knowing him. Then boom, he comes back to MMA, and it's just like another another, uh, a lease on life, you know, in his MMA career. So I don't know if, I don't know, I don't know if his mindset is different or, or he's just out there having fun. I mean, cause I know, I know, I think, I think in the, in the pre-fight interview, I think he just said like, yeah, like, like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not here just to be here. You know, I'm here to, you know, take care of business. And, that, and that's exactly what, that's exactly what I thought he did.
0: and I think a lot of people were offended when Anthony Pettis came in and said, I'm going to be the face of PFL. Of course, Clay Collard was the first guy against him. Shut that down real quick. This was his follow-up performance. Now, Lutterbach had his moments in his fight. What would you think of the fight? I thought it was a pretty good fight because he, he did
2: something that uh, Clay needed to uh, see because he's going to have to work on it, is the takedowns. He had, I think he had six in the first round. He took it down a lot. He had like eight or nine total. That's why the fight seemed closer than what it was. <laughs> but at uh, least Dan, Dan laughed. Brandon's the yeah,
0: like all stone But But
2: uh, I think the difference in the fight was the striking. You had uh, Clay Collard who had 95 strikes, and then uh, Putibako only had 45. So that's why. It, lean towards Cotter because even though he had like eight or nine takedowns, he didn't do as much with them as he should have. And then if, if the striking difference would have been closer, they might've been more inclined to go to his side, but Clay Cotter was able to pick it up later. Kudabach won the first round and then I gave two and three to Cotter with the aggressiveness that he had with the striking because he knew he was getting taken down. So he needed to do a lot of work to catch up from it. And that's why I got the 29,
0: 28. Yeah. The second round is really like the questionable one because it's just, the takedowns didn't really do anything, but sometimes judges in MMA, especially, you know, not as much lately, but especially like over like a few years ago, it was a big deal. You got a takedown, you won the round. Now it's kind of like, well, what did you do with the takedown? So thankfully I think the judges got this one, right. Um, <clears throat> shout out to Chris Wade. Uh, he got the head kick and knockout. In the second round against Ospinoff. Um, he just keeps on rolling. You know, he came out of nowhere, signing with PFL, got his uh was on that first Anthony Pettis card. Now he's back. They're not really giving him a lot of love. He's staying down there in the in like the early prelims, but Chris Wade is just like he got the win, he got a knockout. So shout out to Chris Wade. I hope he keeps on coming. Because he's uh, in
1: New Jersey. He's a Long Island guy. The guy he's in he's finding New Jersey. they're, they're not gonna show him any love, you know? <laughs> Well,
0: shout-out to Chris Wade, Long Island MMA. Uh, A lot of love for him. Uh, Fucking Alban Mercier and Marcin Held, man, that fight. uh, That was a war. Uh, I'm really interested to see. Like, I actually have to go look at the standings. Like, is Schulte even going to make the playoffs with a split decision win? Because Mercier getting the, the, the full win against Held, like, how they do that. I think Schulte is only getting, like, one point or something for a split decision win, right? Three, three. He no, gets two, three, three. Okay. Yeah, he gets three. So it doesn't don't matter if it's a split I, decision I, I, or round, Yeah, or I, I think, I think, I think he's out. Man. So that's crazy. Uh, and then Bubba Jenkins, he got the win against Moffett. Um, so very competitive. Your boy Tyler Diamond, Brandon, uh, he lost the majority decision. He got
1: uh, beat down. Huh? <laughs> I, I said he got beat down.
0: Well, I told you the first time he fought. Uh, you know, on that first Pettis card, I was like. I didn't really agree with the decision. Like, I know he won unanimously, but I thought he lost two of those rounds to the, to the Asian guy. Like, yeah. I, I didn't think, I thought the other guy was out striking him. All Tyler Diamond can do is wrestle.
1: Yeah.
0: He can't really do anything else. He needs to really round out his game. Anything else you guys want to talk about on this card before we move on?
2: All just right. That took, uh, just that he took a lot of damage and I was surprised he was able to last that fight. That's about it.
0: Yeah. So, uh, This week we'll be talking about in a few minutes, but let's go ahead and move on to Bellator 260. And as Brandon likes to say, and new, uh, though even though me and Brandon both picked Douglas Lima, um, Amoslav, pretty much 50-45 on every scorecard. A couple of them gave Douglas Lima one round, but it was a pretty much uh, a one-sided fight. Douglas Lima never really got going in this fight. Um, he had a couple moments, but he never really got going. Uh, Brandon, what went wrong for Douglas Lima and why is Amosoff the brand new Bellator welterweight champion?
1: I mean, honestly, I basically said it in the in the breakdown when we were talking about it. I basically said that Amosoff was basically another version of Rory of Rory McDonald. And I kind of think he maybe could have been just a little bit better of of a Rory McDonald. And that's what and that's what gave Lima troubles. And he was just, he just beat him to he just beat him on everything. You know, he 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 just it is, it's just one of the things where like he he was just, he was just the better he was the better fighter that night he was the better fighter like you said like it just didn't seem like Lehman got going at all sometimes I always see myself like sometimes I feel like Douglas Lima he goes he goes on these layoffs as well and then when he comes back he's just never the same person like he's like he needs to get a he needs to get another fight in and the next you know he goes he goes back he goes back to it to it to his normal self so I don't know if that layoff had anything to do with it or if it was just his opponent or maybe it could have been both but to me just. It just Lima just wasn't ready. Like I'm sure, I'm sure the second time they fight, Lima Lima would do better because that's usually his 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 uh, his his M O, you know. But I just kind of thought that Douglas Lima he would have turned it around, but it just didn't happen. Just didn't happen this past Friday.
0: Dan, I'll flip it to you. What did Amosov do right? Why did he dominate Lima the way he did? Uh, I'll just basically say right here: it was the takedowns. He was able
2: to take him down. The smart thing he did in the first round, the first one, was there against the cage, he picked him up, brought him to the middle of the octagon and then put him down. He made sure that every time he took him down, he wasn't anywhere near the the cage because Lima would have used that to get back up right away. So because he didn't have it, it was easier for him to uh, keep him down. He was able to get into front guard a lot, Uh, just do his work right there. He wound up wearing him down each time because he had him on the, on the ground for a lot of the fight. He was just able to keep him out of his element. And then Douglas Lima just looked out of it. He just looked – he couldn't get anything going because every time he tried to, he would get taken down, and he would be down for two or three minutes each round, it felt like. And then that's why Yersov won. And I give him a shout-out for being the first Ukrainian uh, athlete to win a championship.
0: In and in a major promotion? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's that's cool. Um, a lot of firsts this weekend. We'll talk about the other one later. Uh, just to segue a little bit. Um, Brandon brought up Roy McDonald. You brought up first champion in the country. So a couple of segues if you people want to hint. Don't don't jump ahead, though. Make sure you pay attention. We got important stuff we're talking about here. Uh, also on that card, Jason Jackson, uh, Paul Daly. Wasn't really much of a fight. Um, you know, you always talk about the puncher's chance, but Jason Jackson won every round, 30-27 across the scorecards. Um, I thought if he was a little more aggressive, he might have been able to finish daily, but he never really went for that finish. Uh, Dan, uh, what happened in that fight?
2: Basically, he just made mm-hmm. sure that he kept himself away from that, that puncher's chance. Uh, I was surprised at him for the striking that he was doing. He was connecting on some good shots. and I was waiting for him to try and finish daily, but he was kind of content with just hitting him a few times. Then getting inside and then taking him down and getting in the clinch, to where he's not going to get knocked out if the the punch isn't there for daily. And then Danny didn't have any chance until like the last minute of round three, but it was just a good shown by Jason Jackson where he was getting the fight into his element. He was clinching him, getting him down wear him out, just making sure he got ahead on the scorecards, and made sure that he wasn't able to get get knocked out. Brandon, uh, Jason dude, Jackson's
0: really looking damn, like man. he's ready, man. He yeah, might be ready saying, for man.
1: a title shot. Exactly. Jason Jackson's been saying it for a while. Been saying, "Do Do wants a title shot? He's not. He's not gonna let anybody stop him. He's in. He's gonna go through anybody and everybody that he has to." Uh. I said, man. I just, I said in, in, in our breakdown that I just think he's the better fighter, which he proved because he can do everything. He can do a standing, he can do it on the ground. Paul Daley, he, he's just a stand. he's just a stand up guy. You know, he just has that puncher chance. Jason Jackson, he made sure he, he, made, he made sure to take that away, and that and that's and, and that's why that's why he got his hand raised.
0: Let me ask you this, because you you love to say how a champion doesn't doesn't always deserve a rematch. The way Douglas Lima lost that fight, say he doesn't get the rematch. How does uh, Jason Jackson match up against Amosov?
1: Ooh, man, that's I might want to say stand up, Jason Jackson probably hang on the ground. Could be it could be a different story, Dan. What do um, you think
0: that matchup? Oh, good, ahead, I'm sorry, I thought you were. Doing oh, no, that.
1: no, I was that's obviously I was gonna say it just could be a different story. I mean, we'd have to see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, he he, work, he works on his his wrestling defense.
0: <clears throat> and real quick, before I kick it to Dan, do you think Lima deserves a rematch? You're the first person to always talk to me. Like every time I say a champion deserves a rematch,
1: you shoot it down. I know Ling your boy. I know. I want to say, man, like how many, how many defenses has he had? When like, he what he stopped MVP? Um well, coming off be... two losses in a row. Yeah, but one, but one of them was that, that, that was that catchway fight. Um, He's I mean, yeah, lost. dude, let's move it on. Yeah, the man, let's move it on to 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 Jason Jackson. He he should get the next shot.
0: Yeah, give him a chance to recover anyway. Uh, Dan, what do you think of Amasau for Jackson? Would you look forward to that matchup? I would.
2: I knew in the beginning, right after the, the fight, they were asking him because uh, but MVP was on commentary. They were asking him uh, if he wanted to fight MVP because MVP was like, I, I want to be next in line. Yeah. And Amosoff said that he doesn't want to fight him. He wants to fight Jason Jackson. He was interested in that fight. He liked what he did. And he pre- presents a good challenge to him. So I'm definitely looking for that fight.
0: I think I'd be interested I'd be interested in Jason Jackson versus MVP. That's another fight I'd be I'd yeah. be very interested in to see if uh, MVP could stop. Like you saw against uh, Houston, that MVP could defend himself against takedowns and stuff, um, and on the ground. But Jason Jackson's a lot better on the ground than you know Ross Houston, and, he, and, and he's fought better competition yeah. than MVP. Uh, also on that card, Aaron Pico continues his rise. He got the submission against Aiden Lee in the third round uh Mark Leminger got back on a winning trail against uh, Demarcus Jackson with a nice uh TKO in the second round uh Crutchmer uh we just talked about him taking his first loss well he gave uh Kelly his first loss uh Crutchmer Kruch- got the unanimous decision uh but the one other thing I want to talk about on this and also by the way I told you guys uh go back and look at the tape I told you watch out for Polizzi against Trulio straight arm bar first round Alex Polizzi is going to be a name that people are going to know very soon. I think I've seen him fight a number of times now in the regional and now on the big card. I think Alex Polizzi has a bright future in this sport. So you heard it here first. I might have been 4-4 and this week, but I know what I'm talking about. I swear. Now Brandon wants to laugh. Now he wants to laugh. Okay, ha-ha. Somebody mute his his thing, Mr. Uh, uh, Co-host. But speaking of what we did in the rant, real quick, Bobby King, Nick Newell should have never been a split decision you're talking about a guy who won 30 27 30 27 but then lost 29 28 i agree with 30 27 i thought newell had a couple moments in this fight but he never did enough in my mind to win a single round now how much are takedowns worth how much of this worth? how much is that worth we don't really need to talk about that fight, though. It was a very entertaining fight. Definitely go back and watch. If you didn't see Bellator 260, Bobby King versus Nick Newell. It was a good fight. Nick Newell didn't get dominated for three rounds, but he lost every round. And if two judges have a 30-27, how does one judge go all the way the other way and do 29-28? There has to be some kind of unified standard. I don't care if you're going down a checklist and be like, all right, takedowns worth this much. Uh he outstruck him this round. So he gets that. And I don't care what the criteria is at this point, you have to have people that know the sport better to get the, get these judging, right? Because if for whatever reason, Bobby King lost that fight, that would have been highway robbery. So um, I, I didn't watch it live. I sat there and had the benefit of watching it back on like YouTube, like for like in its entirety after it happened with it by already knowing what happened. But even if I was watching live, I don't see any way I would have thought Nick Newell would have won that fight. You guys disagree? No, I don't think anybody does, and that's the problem that that one judge could have cost Bobby King the fight. So, all right, you guys ready to talk about the big dog UFC 263? Hey, can I bring something up uh, with a uh,
2: Bellator worker? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I I love this guy uh, Aaron Pico. I love watching him. He came out, he started out just as a knockout guy, but now he's starting to use his wrestling more. He was dominating. I think he took him down like 12 times, maybe even more. He just looks more more of a complete fighter now. He's only 8-2. and two. He's only 24 years old, so he has a lot of time left in him. He's only falling belter, but I feel like this guy's going to be the one of the future pieces. I think the best thing that
0: ever happened to him was he came out and lost. Mm-hmm. And he had those couple of tough fights where he he got knocked out by Corrales and uh, Bork's back to back, but he has definitely turned it around. He his his problem to me is it he's a win he's a knockout or submit fighter either way win or loss. You know you know you talk about Carissa Shields pacing herself. If Aaron Pico, which he did a better job this fight, if he did if he does a better job pacing himself, he can be. superstar in this sport. He didn't even look tired in that fight, which was great. I mean he's built like a tank for that size. Like I mean 145 pounds. He has abs on top of abs. Like he's always been like from the time he was 1920 making his debut like same thing. Uh he's got a bright future but he needs to pace himself and he needs to stop Mm -hmm. putting himself in uh a win or die uh you know win or lose situation you know so that's my thoughts on Aaron Pico. Yeah. All right guys you ready to talk about UFC 263? Let's do it. I'm not. Let's skip this. I don't want to talk about my picks (laughs) no more. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, UFC 263, uh, two title fights and Nate Diaz. Uh, (laughs) uh, Nate Diaz lost, but tell that to the fans because, you know, he got dominated throughout the entire fight until, like, the last minute of the fifth round. Uh, But we'll talk about that in a second. Let's go ahead and start off with the defending reigning middleweight champion. I'm talking about Israel Adesanya against Marvin Vittori. I wasn't completely wrong. Now, I know you guys are like, ha-ha, you picked Marvin Vittori. But I wasn't completely wrong. I said there's no way he's going to get stopped. And it never came close to him getting stopped. And I'll tell you this much. Marvin Vittori, as delusional as he is, thinking that he did better in the fight than he did, uh, as arrogant as he was for not listening to a Hall of Fame coach like Rafael Cordero sitting there telling him what to do every round, and he's just sitting there whatever, like not even paying attention to to somebody uh, who's a legend in, in boxing and MMA as far as coaching goes. And then still talking shit after the fight, like he did something. All that aside, he hung in there for five rounds. He was never in danger. His leg took damage. Like I think both of you actually said, you know, look, and Tim broke it down with the leg kicks in his rebuttal of me. I'm still mad at you and you and Brand, uh, Tim and Brandon for the rebuttals. I never rebut them, but anyway, <laughs> now I'm gonna start rebuttals every episode. Uh, but lo, like, let's be real though. If Vittori had gone balls to the wall, had just, especially that fifth round, and just let it hang out, I can't count the amount of times. If that was, and obviously a huge weight difference. I'm not talking about Dustin Poirier as 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 a middleweight, but if that was Dustin Poirier in that cage with Adesanya at that distance. We talked about it in the Conor McGregor fight last time, where he turned Conor McGregor to the point where he got him in perfect distance and he unloaded on McGregor. He just absolutely unloaded to where McGregor couldn't avoid every shot. And eventually he got put to sleep, right? If Vittori did that, especially in that fifth round where he was this close to, and what did he do? The last few seconds, he didn't even go for a punch. He tried to take him down. He hugged him around the waist. And sitting there, and is just clowning him, like, ooh, you hurt my leg. (laughs) There is something wrong with Marvin Vittori. He is very talented. But something is wrong when you know you're losing a fight. Your coach has told you four rounds in a row, you lost. You lost that round. You lost that round. You got to go out there and go for it. He never went for it. He kept these ridiculous takedown attempts. I don't remember, Dan, was it you or, or Tim that was talking about the trip leg down, takedowns that he likes to do, but he, he just kept, he has no wrestling game. It was an illusion against somebody as horrible as Kevin Holland on his ground. And it just, I'm just so disappointed in myself for picking Vittori because he, I, I wasn't wrong. He had the game plan, but Tim was right. His tools were not sharp enough. And if somebody else, a Robert Whitaker per se, I think that would have been a much more competitive fight. I'm not saying Adesanya would have lost, but I'm saying because Adesanya was on his game too. And Adesanya was nailing those leg kicks. He was getting in and out. He was keeping the distance proper. He had really good takedown defense. He also was able to get up off his back, mostly because Vittoria wasn't really good at holding him down. One thing he never did was he never grapevine the leg. Brandon, how many times – you teach mostly striking. But when you get somebody – when you're on top of somebody, what's the first thing you do to hold them down?
1: Hey, you control their legs, control their hips. Exactly. You
0: find that leg. You get one leg locked in, <clears throat> You could basically stand up every time he got taken down. He, he used his legs, which are his most powerful weapon, pushed off, got distance, got back up. So props to Adesanya for getting better at his ground defense – Props to Adesanya, period. He showed why he's the champ. He came off a loss, came back, got that win in his own division. Brandon, you're Adesanya's biggest fan. The
1: floor is yours, sir. Tell me your thoughts on the fight. I just want to say kudos to you, Mike, for taking that L like I knew you would. Thank you for keeping that pick. That's why I'm the top dog now. Please don't hit a running knee on me. No nah, man, it was just you know, It was just to me. It was it was Adesanya's fight to And lo- you're about to, to see a heel to turn. <laughs> to me, like I said, Adesanya been did. He did everything that he wanted to do. Kept the fight really standing. Like I said we just knew Vittori, Like I said, we knew he was going to try to go for the takedown. But like Tim was saying, you know, he, his, <clears throat> his tools weren't sharp enough, and you know, and like and like I had said previously in the first fight. Rattori went for the takedowns. So Adesanya kept it up until until the third round when he got that one takedown. And then when he did do the takedown, he didn't do anything. Same thing this fight. He got the takedown. He didn't do anything. No damage. Adesanya was fine. He either held him or he got back up. And then he went to work, chopping on those legs. He even made, made Rattori look bad when he was up against the cage. And Rattori was throwing punches. He was just slipping, ducking, moving, rolling, man. Adesanya was loose as a goose, having a good time. Styling on him, even punked him at the end when he where, where he act like he was hurt. Man, it was just it was just, it was just a good it was just a good performance by Adesanya, and then his promo afterwards, calling out Robert Weiderker. That was a Hall of Fame kudos level promo. Him.
0: That was a Hall of that was, that was a WWE level promo. That was that would have put wrestlers to shame. That that was a exactly. good promo.
1: Exactly, kudos to him, and also I like how he said. Let's do the fight in New Zealand, which is where I said that the fight should be. That's not gonna happen, man.
0: That's not gonna happen, unfortunately, but it's a it was a great promo. Nah, uh, da- we'll see, man. now nah, Dane you, already said no. Man, see, Dane is a hater, man. No, he, he said because of the restrictions. Uh, Australia. Oh, New Zealand, New Zealand is open. Yeah, but there's still a lot of travel stuff and he doesn't want to deal with their government. There's a All there's right. a lot to go. He explained it in the post-fight scrum of why that fight can't happen in New Zealand or Australia. It will happen next. And soon, but it won't happen to neither one. It'll probably be in Vegas or somewhere. Uh, Dan, that fight was almost trouble for Izzy in that first round when Vittori landed that takedown in the very first round. But very quickly, he showed he's not Blagowitz, and, and Izzy just turned it right around. What do you think of the fight? He was able to get takedowns. I, th- I think he got
2: four of them. He just did, like uh, Brandon said, he didn't do anything with them. He was just, it seemed like he was content just laying on them. He thought and Izzy do- couldn't get up. He was Yeah, and Izzy was able to get up because, of course, he's not 220 like Yehovich, and then Yehovich is more trained when, when on the ground than he is. But he was content doing that. I, I thought Izzy did a great job with keeping the distance. I said it last week, those leg kicks were going to kill him because he doesn't check them. He was just getting pieced up, and then he <laughs> tripped a few times with the leg kicks. He just couldn't get anything going, and I thought that was a masterful job of is, is Ezra Adesana. I, I'm not the biggest fan, but... I thought the promo was good. I thought all the things with him, what he did after the fight. He went to uh like his uh train partner, I think is Brad Burdell, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. And he went and he went to Drew Dober's uh to check on him. He was like, Congratulations, that was a great fight. He was talking to him, he was talking, he, he talked to Moreno, he mm-hmm. just seemed like a better guy because he actually got to see. It, the the true Addison, the one that you just see in the octagon or on the on the mic or anything, you got to see him behind the scenes. And he seemed like more of a personable, nice guy. And it made me like him a lot more than what I
0: did before. And of course, both him and Riddell fighting for their lost teammate who was yeah. uh, murdered a couple weeks ago. So or a few weeks ago. But um, yeah. so there, there's that. They were definitely fighting with heavy hearts and motivated as well. So, um. We know what's next for Izzy, but Tori is a little bit different story. The first thing he did was call out the drunken, uh, <laughs> Paulo Costa, Paulo Costa replied. He would fight that moron. I'm not going to hold my breath on getting Paulo Costa back in a cage anytime soon. He wants to use money as an excuse. He wants to use the flu when he's still battling COVID, which is it. Um, there's so many things going on with Paulo Costa since he lost that fight to Izzy, um, lost his undefeated streak. You know, We've talked about this a few times over the course of this show. The history of the show is that when a fighter loses, especially when they lose in a way that's just like breaks their spirit. They sometimes they're never the same. We talked about Dominic Reyes when he got knocked out. Like when you get knocked out, sometimes you bounce back stronger. Sometimes you're never the same. You, You just don't know when people feel that, that vulnerability for the first time. Paulo Costa was Unbeatable until he fought Izzy and he looked horrible. Wanted to blame it on being drunk off wine and every other excuse he's come out with instead of just saying Izzy was the better guy that night. Same thing as Vittori. Vittori's coming up with all these excuses of just saying Izzy was the better dude. Eat your humble pie. You know what? I went 4 4 this week. Could have been worse, actually. But you know what? Brandon's the lead dog. I'm going to come back, make my picks this week, try to be better than him. That's what a competitor does. Don't shit talk Brandon for being the lead dog. I get, I wanna do my research. I wanna get better and I wanna get my spot back. That's what you do. You get back in the cage, you fight harder. Holocaust isn't that dude. He can talk about money all he wants. He can talk about everything. Like, like Dana said, you know, I if you've watched this show since day one, you know I don't agree with Dana on shit. But Dana was right about this one. Did you see your last fight? How are you gonna talk to me about getting a raise? Come on. All right, let's go ahead and uh, move over to the co-main event. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm actually not mad I was wrong about this one. I was really hyped on Davidson Figueroa, and I really hope they have a trilogy because <clears throat> even though Moreno dominated this one, Figueroa has dominated that division for a little while, and he actually is one of the champions. I think maybe deserves that the immediate shot, especially the way the first one was such a classic. This one wasn't as much a classic. Figueiredo never really like pulled the... Like, he never really went for it. Like, I think Moreno's jab just really threw him off in the very beginning. He can never close that distance on Moreno. And Moreno was sharp. He was explosive. And he got the finish. He he got him in that rear-knuckle choke a couple times. He almost got him earlier in the fight with it. Um, but explosive, got the finish. And you want to know how to handle a loss? Look at what Davidson Figueiredo did after that loss. He picked Moreno up. He was like, it was your day. God shined on you. You know, you can be as arrogant as you want in the press conferences and the fight up, If you, but MMA is a game about respect. And even Izzy said it after the fight. It's about respect. You can hate somebody. I remember Rampage and uh, Rashad Evans hated each other. They still shook hands after the fight. It's a game of respect. You go in there, you share blood, sweat, and tears. It's a game of respect. Uh, Brandon Moreno, though, let's let's go back to this. First Mexican-born champion. Now uh, in the UFC, of course, my dog wants to make a cameo on, on air. Beckham, stop! <laughs> uh, but here we go, Brandon Moreno. Dan, I'm gonna start with you. What happened in this
2: fight? I was uh, I was so adamant that he was gonna win. I just had that good feeling with him. Of course, the only guy that agreed with me about Davison isn't
0: on the air this week. But all right.
2: <laughs> but uh, he went in. And he must have watched the tape, seen that. Instead of having uh, Figueredo dictate the fight early, which he did, and then he just countered it, he, he went on the offensive right away. He, he, he was coming at Figueredo the whole time, hitting him with, with those strikes. It was just uh, putting it to him, and I, I think Figueredo was just – Shocked at what was happening. I think he was shocked that he wasn't the one pressing the fight. It was Moreno. He was able to piece him up. Uh, he, he knew that uh, Figueredo likes to keep his hands down and he, he was just taking advantage of it. He was the quicker fighter. He was getting w- w- inside of him and just uh, taking him down, get, doing what he could with them. And I think... It could be the weight cut that might have affected him. He he had to weigh in twice on uh, Friday. He weighed in first. He didn't weigh in right. and Then he had to come back in an hour and a half later. He was one of the last guys going to scale, and he just made the weight cut uh, at the exact uh, amount. And you you might be able to say that that had something to do with it, but I I just think Moreno was the more posh fighter. Even his coaches uh, said that their mindset in the first fight was to just count or whatnot. Moreno wanted to come in that fight and do it a certain way. He did it his coach's way. And then this fight, he was like, I want to do it this way. It was like, I want to come in at him. and That way he's not the one dictating everything. And it just seemed like Figueredo wasn't throwing those combinations that he usually totally different did fight. Yep. Yeah. He was thrown just one, one shot uh, punches. And a lot of them were going wide. And then Moreno was being the more accurate guy. And he had a couple of chances chances uh, to get the submission. Of course, he had the first one. Even Figueredo had his guillotine he had on, but he didn't have it right. And it just seemed, it just seemed like Moreno was just sharp as ever. And he was able to get that, uh, <laughs> that rear naked choke for the win. And then it was just good to see him uh, get that win. He got up. It was crazy to see him get up. He looked like 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 a normal fight. He he it didn't kick to him until they announced it, and then it was great to see him have that emotion. That of winning and being the first Mexican-born uh, fighter to uh, have a championship in UFC like that because Kane won it, but he He was he a Mexican-born, yeah. He, he was said. a Mexican-born. He was just descent. So it was great to see him. And even Israel Adasana said it. He was like, how can you hate a guy like this? He's one of the nicest guys in the sport. He was like, he deserves it. And he put the work in uh, from getting cut, came back, and now he's a champion.
0: Brandon... Uh he did you proud with the distance he was using with his strikes, like that that jab just set the entire tone. Um we'll so we can talk about the weight cut in Figueroa in a minute because he did say after he said a couple of things after, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But being a, a striking type person, kickboxer, striking coach, everything else. The way he used that jab just set up everything from from getting him on the ground. He knocked him down with the jab. Like he knocked him down with the jab, and it wasn't even like Figueredo was coming in full force. He was throwing that jab almost like a straight left. Uh, what do you think of the fight?
1: And you know me, I was I was happy. I was I I picked I picked Marina the first time, and I was picking him the second time. Like I say you know the the jab is the most common punch in all of combat sports. It's your range finder, and you know if you can touch somebody with a jab, you can touch with anything that you want to. Saying so you can, you can actually just win a fight just off a jab you alone. See
0: what you saw with uh, Kamara Usman.
1: Yeah, you know, like like I'm saying like the 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 jab, the jab just sets the tempo for everything. Like that's the thing. A lot of people in MMA, you watch the fights, they don't have a good jab. You know, there's only certain people that have a real good jab. And you saw, you like say, you saw with Usman, you saw, you saw with. Uh, Marino, this time around, he used his jab properly. Like I said, this is what this is what I thought the fight would have been. Because to me, Marino, he had the boxing, he had the combinations. While to me, Figueroa, uh, Figuero, he was just a power. He was he was a power shot guy. He was he was he was, looking, he was looking for that one punch knockout. And the thing was, that was right. He was missing. He was missing badly. Which of course, when you miss badly, I, that gets you that gets you tired right there as well. You know, because you're using all that power and it's not going anywhere. And I just think that Moreno Marino, just caught him this time.
0: I don't even know if he was missing badly. He just never really pulled the trigger. Like that jab just kept him at bay. Like he could never get that distance. And uh, we'll talk about like the weight cut, like Figueredo hinted at maybe moving up to Bantam weight after this fight, because he did have such a rough weight cut. You remember the first Benavides fight where he was originally supposed to win the title and he didn't qualify because he couldn't make weight. Uh, everything was good up when we had the air last week, like, oh yeah, he was on, on pace to make weight. Turns out that it wasn't really necessarily true. Um, like Dan said, he had to weigh in twice. Um, but then he also asked immediately for the trilogy. Now, I know you and Sergio kind of disagree with me the first time. Like, y'all thought that it was a good decision on the draw. Um, but I actually thought Figueredo won that fight because if you, if you don't have the point deduction in the first fight, that's a Figueredo win. So I do think... They are basically one apiece, and I do think Figueredo deserves the trilogy if he wants it. Um, <clears throat> there's not a lot of contenders at that weight class. There are a few uh, names that could obviously challenge for the title. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Askarov is sitting right there, Pantoa. Um, in a rematch, eventually, I don't, I think Brandon Royval has to win a couple fights. He has one coming up. But the way that first fight with Royval that actually gave Moreno the opportunity went down where, yeah, Moreno got the TKO, but that's because Roy Val threw his shoulder out of socket. Um, So I'd like to see them rematch. I think Roy Val still has a bright future in that division. But I do think Figueredo deserves it. I think Figueredo should get the immediate rematch if they want to do a trilogy and run it back. And I think it would be just as epic as this time, especially if Figueredo can get on weight and come out guns blazing because if he comes out passive like he did this fight, Moreno will run right through him again. Uh, as far as Figueredo, I mean, that, you know, their, their futures are tied together at this point. Um, it's not even a co-main event; it's a third five-round fight. Uh, Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz. We all kind of said the same thing. Leon Edwards was going to use his his leg kicks, his distance, his keep Nate at bay, and Nate was going to try to dirty it up. Well, first four rounds. went to the game plan. He was uh, jabbing, leg kicks. Nate Diaz got bloodied up like he always gets bloodied up. Nate Diaz is like, he doesn't even start fighting until he starts bleeding. By the fifth round, Edwards was coasting, right? He was chilling. He got caught. Now, here's the one problem I have with Nate Diaz. And here's the (laughs) problem. He's a cultural icon. But you know what? If Nate Diaz doesn't stop and go, ha ha, I got you. When he caught him, Nate Diaz, we could be talking about a totally different result to this fight. Nate Diaz could have finished him in that fifth round. If he had just, Oh, he's hurt. Let me go. Let me go get him. But it took him like a good, like 15 seconds before he's like, Oh, he's really hurt. Okay. Let me go try and finish this fight. So if Nate Diaz responds faster, we may be talking about a different result, but Leon Edwards did what Leon Edwards is supposed to do. And, the winner of Usman Covington most likely has Edwards in their future. Dan, what do you think of that fight?
2: I thought it was very really good for Edwards. I think in the fifth round, I think the problem was – he even said he was trying to knock out uh Diaz at that point. He was trying to headhunt, and he just swung uh, wide, missed, and then he got caught by uh, Diaz. In that, he didn't do what he normally does with the boxing, and then just keeping a distance. He, he he made a mistake there, and Diaz almost capitalized on it. If he would have not taken his time after hitting him, and that afforded him the time to recover, but he was just able to piece uh, Diaz up, get him with the leg kicks. The leg kicks were hurting him bad and then he was taking him down wearing him out on the ground it he, like he, that's all he did uh, for four rounds he was able to do that he already had it in the bag he almost made the one mistake that could have cost him the fight but because the Diaz taking his time uh it gave him the
0: chance to finish the the fifth round gave him a chance to survive Brandon what do you think of the fight
1: hey, and you know what I you know what I thought of the fight man Leon Edwards got that hand raised like I knew he would to me, man, Nate Diaz had nothing to offer him except for except for the last round where 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 he did catch him. But the reason why I called him was because Edwards he made a mistake. Diaz did capitalize, but 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 he didn't capitalize uh, till he got the finish. Like I said, I just thought I just thought Leon Edwards was gonna be better all around, which he was. He showed it. Used his leg kicks. He was he was outboxing Diaz, and uh, like I said, he should be next in line after this uh, Covington uh, Um uh, Usman rematch.
0: Before, I mean, it's not really much talk about this. I mean, Nate Diaz did what Nate Diaz does. He came out in the, in the last round, put on a show, gave the fans something happy to, you know, to go home thinking about Nate Diaz some more. Um, we'll talk about uh, the uh, Tim's pick, the uh, Damian Maya Bilal Muhammad fight in a second, but you know, you got Damian Maya, you know, coming off that loss to Bilal Muhammad. Uh, I guess we'll talk about it right now. <laughs> um, and Damien Myers, is like his fight contracts up, but he actually wants one more fighting as Nate Diaz. He thinks that would be a great, a great jujitsu fight and so on and so forth. Look, Nate Diaz is going to come and Nate Diaz is going to do what he does. He's not going to win a fight. He's not going to win a lot of fights. He's lost more than he's won in the last few years, Um, but he left people a lasting result. I'm actually calling this episode sixth round because you know what? Nate Diaz is probably the only dude who probably needs a sixth round to win a fight because, he's going to bring it to you until the bell, until you stop him, the doctor stops him or until, you know, the final round, like he's not going to stop no matter how beat up he gets. You saw it in the second Connor fight where Connor was piecing him up. You saw it against uh, Masvidal where the doctor had to stop it after the round. Like he's going to get bloodied up. He's going to do what he does. And he's going to keep coming forward. And he's always dangerous to the end, but Leon Edwards fought the smart fight. He never put himself at risk and he won. So that is that. We'll see what happens for each of them afterwards. Um, Leon Edwards has been promised a lot in this sport and not been delivered very much, so we'll see. Uh, now that COVID's kind of resolving itself and travel restrictions are kind of lifted, hopefully we can get Edwards back in there sooner than later. But speaking of Edwards, last fight, he had the eye poke thing with Bilal Muhammad. Didn't want to get Muhammad rematched, so Muhammad fought Damian Maya in the last fight of his contract. Muhammad uh, got the win, um, but You know, Damian Maya had some moments early on, especially. Um, I didn't think it was a 30-27. I thought it was 29-28. I thought Maya won the first round, personally. Um, But it's not much debate on that win. Uh, We'll see what's next for Valal Muhammad in that one. Of course, opening up the main card, we just talked about it earlier, Paul Craig, Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill coming off a long layoff because of injuries, because of COVID. Paul Craig, you know, he looked great his last – fight you know the Shogun but it was Shogun like how great do you really look I was actually worried about my pick the moment Paul Craig came out to his entrance music he looked so serious and I turned to my wife I was like I'm losing this pick and that was before whatever like all the stuff happened and you know ironically we're talking about refereeing even my wife was like his arm's not supposed to flap like that right like, why is his arm flappy? <laughs> like, my wife was, like, mortified. It was like watching a horror movie. She was, like, ripping my skin off. Like, she was like, I can't believe he's th- – why Why aren't they stopping this? Um, so if my wife, who's an amateur, like, watcher can see that that fight should have been stopped, I think we all know that fight should have been stopped. Um, Forrest Paul Craig, I, I can see him getting a top five opponent coming up. I mean, he's been moving up steadily up the food chain. Um, either one of you guys got any thoughts on Paul Craig right now? I
2: thought he looked good because he said coming in, I'm a grappler. I'm going to try and get the submission. I'm not veering off from it. That's what he did. I thought in the fight, uh, Hill took him down, but I thought it was really more so. Craig just being uh, being okay with getting taken down, he kind of pushed himself back to get that position and allowed him to get lock up that arm right away. Like, he, he had it locked up like he wasn't going to give it up, and then that's what led to everything else afterwards. And yeah, they was-
0: transitioned to a few different positions, but he kept yeah. getting it right back. Yep. And – Brandon, that top that light heavyweight division is stacked ahead of him. I mean, Paul Craig's still only ranked 12th despite everything. Um yeah. but you got Spawn, Walker, Kryloff, Ozdemir, Anthony Smith, Reyes, just to name a few. Um, so maybe not a top five opponent, but he should definitely get a top ten opponent after this, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I was thinking I maybe uh he could get uh uh Krylov next. I think I I think that would match be a up. good matchup.
0: That's what I was saying. Um we talked about Brad Riddell, Drew Dober. Very tough fight, very back and forth. I think it was a good decision. Riddell got the uh, 29, 28, and three cards. Um, Dan, you want to talk about your fight a little bit? Eric Anders, uh, Darren Stewart, back and forth a little bit. It was also kind of dull for a little while until like the third round when Aaron and Eric Anders kind of like opened up in the third round. But it's it wasn't like the first fight where they kind of started off fast. The second yeah. fight, it was definitely like they were like more like interested in hugging up against the cage and, and trying to get position. What you do you think about your fight? I thought exactly that. Darren Stewart started
2: out a little bit early. Like he he took the first round with the takedown and then he was throwing a little bit of punches. As the second round went through, they just seemed like they were just trying to see what each other were doing. And then by that time, Andres was able to take him down and then started controlling it. And then the third round, he was connecting on some strikes and then the takedowns, and that's really what it was. So a lot of the fans
0: were booing, but it was just more so them trying to feel each other out. Uh, well, Brandon, we're going to get to you in one second. I want you to stir a little bit on your pick. Um, before, before uh, somebody can eat a little humble pie real quick. Uh, a couple things else on that card that really stood out to me. Uh, Carlos Felipe, you know, he looked really great on a lot of the fight night cards. He never really fought on the pay-per-view cards. They put him up against Jake Collier right off the bat. That was a really fun uh, heavyweight clash. Felipe took charge, especially late in the fight. Um I don't even know if I feel like a split decision was necessary. I could see how judges went back and forth either way. I wouldn't have been mad if Collier got gotten the decision, but I think it was the right call with Felipe. Um, <clears throat> Chase Hooper got another L. Uh, Peterson just kind of stood his ground, didn't let Hooper kind of like get the positions he wanted. Um, <clears throat> if Hooper doesn't learn to strike, he's never going to be successful. Like you have to do everything in MMA. You can grapple all you want, but if you get punched in your face, you can't do anything. Uh, Terrence McKinney with uh, the big knockout over Frevola. Um Alexis Davis uh, went back to kind of what she was before her last fight kind of back to like not looking so great and uh, Kianza looked good and then e- Evloff just controlled Dawadu I didn't I didn't see that coming I thought Dawadu striking would kind of keep him at bay it did not um, at least one fight to talk about Brandon you know you did a really good job picking last week but um How'd your girl JoJo do?
1: Hey, man, <laughs> like we talk about with judges. Hey, I could be biased, really? but I... Really, judges on I... that one? Exactly, man. I thought she won that fight. I thought she won that fight, and so did one other judge. And thought, I... <laughs> so does Dan. Exactly. Right, I thought she won the first and the third round. Second round was definitely Lauren Murphy. She controlled her, had her down, everything like that. But third round was definitely JoJo. I think just maybe it was just the first round was kind of was was a little bit close. But I just thought I just thought uh, uh, I just thought Calderwood, she did a better job in the in the first round. But, hey, like I said, I'm not a judge. You know, there was one judge who did have it for Calderwood. There were two other judges that had it for Murphy. So, hey, man, props to Murphy. She did it. She did what she did, what she had to do. Like she said, she likes being in these fights you know, her nickname is called, she's called herself lucky, lucky Lauren Murphy. Why? Because I think her her last few fights have have, have all been, have all been split decisions, you know? So, Hey, kudos to Murphy. I think she should get the next title shot. I mean, I mean, uh, she didn't, she didn't move up in the rankings. I think she's still ranked third, but I still think she should get the next title shot and I'll go from there.
0: I I, I mean, I know I see Dan's face. I know he thinks Calderon won too. Uh, I don't I don't agree with that guys at all. Like I think Murphy clearly won the second. I think she won the first two. Um I think at times in the second, I think she could have even almost finished uh Calderon. And Murphy was more angry at herself after the fight that she didn't get the the finish. Um it's just so tough. I don't think either one of these girls, and no offense to to Calderon either, because I know that's your girl, but like I, I don't see either one of these girls competing with Shevchenko at this point. Like I think Shevchenko would run through both of them the way they looked last night or last Saturday. I don't think they have the tools uh, to get it done. I don't know anybody in that division right now in the top 10 that does. Um, Especially the way Shevchenko came out and looked against Jessica Andrade last time.
1: Um, So,
0: all right, guys, you ready to make some picks this
1: week? Yeah, you know, I need to keep that top dog status.
0: Man, I hope you do. I hope you do. Actually, that's not true. I hope you lose every pick. All right. Anyway, I'm telling you, Dan, you're about to witness a heel turn. He's luck. I told him. I'll I'll put this out there. He is very lucky UFC 263 was the night he was wrestling because I swear to God, I would have came out there, lifted up his hand, be like, that's my dude. And then just RKO'd his ass out of nowhere. (laughs) I have no problem problem playing the heel. Let's go uh all right guys let's talk about pfl5 before we lose what little viewers that we have left after this point uh pfl5 Roy mcdonald glason t ray cooper three uh he's in action uh antonio carlos jr versus vinnie mcgalis i'm actually looking forward to that one chris camozzi's in action cesar Ferreira, uh zhao Zeferino versus uh, jason panett should be fun fight uh magamada uh, Magomed- Kamarov uh, Magomedic- uh versus curtis millender uh, we kind of h- hyped Curtis Millender up a little bit, but we knew Roy McDonald would run through him last time. Did exactly what we thought. I don't know what to expect out of Millender this time. Uh, filthy Tom Lawler in action. So it's going to be a fun card uh, on the 17th. Um, I'll go ahead and start with you, Brandon. Roy McDonald uh, got a tough veteran. T bell has been around a long time. This is his 51st fight. What do you expect out of this fight? Who's your pick? uh
1: I got Rory McDonald and I got him by steamroll. I don't think T-Bow's going to have anything to offer him. I think I I can could, I could see, see T-Bow getting finished, either first or second round.
0: Uh, Well, that was quick. Okay.
1: <laughs> I agree. There's nothing
0: else to say. Dan, uh, do you have a little more analytics to that one than Brandon just did? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to agree
2: with him on that one. I'm going to go. Oh my god! Uh, first, I'm his ass uh, <laughs> First round. I'm going to go first round knockout. I think the big thing is the that reach. He, he I think he has a 79 inch reach, and T-Bow's is only 69. Plus he's taller than him, so it's going yeah, to be like T-Bow's
0: short and stocky. Yeah. yeah.
2: So uh, T-Bow's going to want to get inside and then try and take him down and clinch with him. But I feel like uh, Rory McDowell's going to just. He usually likes to clinch himself, but I think in this matchup, he's just going to u- use his length and reach, and I think he's just going to knock him out. He's not going to be able to get touched because he's going to have that long
0: length. I'm going with Roy, too. Roy, since especially since he started training more down in uh, South Florida, Sanford, he's kind of uh, even added more tools to his already, like, diverse game. Uh, the only – possible way Gleason wins this fight is maybe for submission, and Rory's never been subbed, so I don't see him putting himself in a bad situation. His wrestling and jiu-jitsu is top-notch, so I think with his striking advantage, I think Rory's going to take the W as well. Uh, so me and Brandon will not be changing places on that pick, nor do I think we will in the uh, co-main event as well. Dan, I'll start off with you. Ray Cooper third versus Nikolay. Uh, Alex Saken. um Who you got? I got Ray Cooper in this one. I think it's going to
2: be closer than people think because if you look at Nikolai Alexikin, he trains yes, out of the same he trains out of the same gym that Fedor Emilienko trains out of, and then he has that Sabo background. So it's something that Ray Cooper might struggle against. But I just feel like. I call him the silent assassin because when he's in, when he does interviews, he speaks so soft and he speaks so, but then he like flips the switch. Once he gets into the octagon, he has that wrestling background. He he can, he can strike. I feel like he's just going to pull out a a unanimous decision victory. I think it might be two rounds to one. I don't think it's going to be the explosiveness you expect from Cooper because of what Nicolet can present to him, but I still think he's going to pick up the three points.
0: Now, Brandon, I know you're a big Ray Cooper III fan, but I will play devil's advocate for you to throw this in your wrench. Now, uh has also beaten a good friend of the show, Jonathan Webb. Uh, he beat him over in uh, R.C. Uh, Russian Cage Fighting Championship back in 2019. Uh, so he's used to somebody that can grapple with him. He had won um, seven fights before that eye poke situation with Cy uh, back in April. So who do you got in this fight?
1: I'm going with Dan, man. Ray Ray Cooper the third. Like I really, I really think that the PFL has this thing set up where they want Rory and Ray Cooper in the final, and I think that is the collision course that we're going to see right now. Because I really don't see anybody else in the in the welterweight division right now giving giving either one of those guys any any fits. So I think I think Ray Cooper will get the job done. Like Dan said, I think it might be really a close fight, you know. Um, but I think I think Ray Cooper is just going to be able to pull it off. <laughs>
0: Well, I got to make up some points. And the more I actually look at it, I'm actually thinking uh, Alex is going to win this fight. Um, Alexis Sakin, Alexa. How you say it, Dan? Alexican. Alexican. I think Alexican's going to win this fight. Uh, he's got the tools that Ray's, Ray's been stopped via knockout and submission. Um, the only way that Alexican's ever lost is submission and decision. I think Ray Cooper is more of a, a knock you out type guy. He does have seven subs, but he also has got 14 knockouts. He very he, he, If he goes to a decision, he's lost the only time he's ever gone to a decision. Um, so I think uh, Nicolay can stretch his fight out and possibly uh, pull off the upset here uh, in that fight. Um, like I said, a couple other things to look out for before we move on. Um, Cesar Ferreira versus Chris Camozzi should be a fun fight. Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Vinny Magalas, two veterans, uh, been in the UFC a long time. Vinny's been out of the UFC for a long time, but he's also been fighting around the world the entire time. Giles Zeferino, uh that guy's awesome. Um, don't know what to expect out of Curtis Millender, And then, of course, everybody loves to watch filthy Tom Lawler get dirty with everybody. So speaking of wrestling, when are you fighting Tom Lawler?
1: Hey, man, he, he's he's down at MLW. I don't I don't, I don't know if I'm there yet. With
0: the big you want one. me send? You want me to drive down to Miami and give me your tape? Uh, man, I'm trying to hype you up, bro. I got you. Let me know when you need a hype man. My name give is Paul Heyman. No, no. Can I it. give a shout out? Go ahead.
2: I got a shout out to a, a buddy of mine, Jordan Young. He's actually going to be fighting Tom Lawler. I've been able to talk to him a few times. I, I messaged him uh, weekly and he, he's looking forward to getting the octagon because he didn't get to compete in the first uh,
0: fight because of the guy backing out. He hasn't fought in a long time too. It's been since yeah. Bellator back in November, 2019. So I don't yeah. know really what to expect out of Jordan Young. Um, He was, first of all, Tom Lawler is, I don't want to say punch drunk, but he's been he's been in a lot of battles, only 18 fights, but it's been a lot of like battles fights, and uh, Jordan Young's a submission like expert almost. So um, I I think Jordan Young has a very good shot in this fight. I think especially only 26 years old. I think Jordan Young can probably win this fight. Um, but it's gonna be a fun fight. Any Tom Lawler fight's gonna be a fun fight. So anything else, Brandon? You got anything else you want to add on this card? Nope. All right, guys, let's move on to the final segment of the day. I'm talking about our picks for UFC Vegas 29, Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung versus Dan Ige. Uh, Dan on Dan, I'll start you off. Dan, who you got in this fight? I I got a Korean Zombie
2: on uh, on this one. This was kind of hard for me to choose from because Dan Ige is coming off of a very nice win where he came in 20 seconds, knocked the dude out because the dude – couldn't uh, make a decision whether he was going to take him down. Or go for the strike and it yeah, cost him. Yeah. yeah, because I I thought Tucker could have knocked him out had he have just committed to the to the shot, but he didn't. And then he got knocked out. And then you got a guy like, uh, Cream Zombie. He takes a lot of damage, but he's known for knocking guys out as well. He He's only fought like six times in the past, I think, six years, uh, and everything. But I feel like he's going to pick up the victory. He's going to look to, uh, uh, finish, uh, Ige. I, I have, Korean zombie by second round knockout. I just feel like he's going to put on a piece with them and shock them. I got a shocker here with that Korean zombie winning.
0: I don't know if it's too much a shocker. I think he might even be favored. What do you think,
1: Brandon? Uh, I agree with Dan, man. I got the uh, Korean zombie. I think he needs, I think he wants he definitely wants to bounce back from his last fight with uh, Brian Ortega. You know, he he didn't want to, he didn't want to go out like that. Um, Like I said, it was it was a close one for me too because like I said, uh, Danny Ige, he, he he is coming off that 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 knockout win, but again, man, like we talked about, man, there are, there are levels to this, and this is Danny Ige stepping up, and I just don't I don't think he I just don't think he's ready for the uh, Korean Zombie yet.
0: Well, I'm gonna try to pick up another win here. Uh, I'm actually going with Ige because uh, other than the tough loss to Calvin Cater, Calvin Guitar Cater, yeah, Calvin Cater, uh, I can't talk today, guys. I don't know why. I'm so shook after losing all his fights last week. I don't even know what to say. Uh, but that loss to Calvin Cater, uh, that was his step up. He went five rounds with Cater, came back, got the t- knockout against Tucker. He beat Barboza. A um, couple split decisions, but he beat Barboza, he beat Bectic. You have to go all the way back to 2018 when he lost to your teammate, Brandon Julio Arce, um, before his other loss. He had ruled off six in a row. He's won seven out of eight. Um, I, I just, I think the five years age advantage, I think the only thing that Korean Zombie really gives me problems with is that he has the size. He has the, the two inches height and he has those really long arms. So I think Ige might have a hard time getting inside on uh, Korean Zombie, but Korean Zombie likes to get into too many uh, wars. Uh, you go all the way back in the day. Uh, I still remember like the wars with like Leonard Garcia um, that are still like, hall of fame level classic battles with Leonard Garcia. I think zombies taking a lot of damage and he's been knocked out a few times. I think Danny gay can catch him, And if he does with all that power, you know, he calls himself 50 K for a reason. He wants that performance bonus. So we're going to see, it's going to be a fun fight. That's going to be a a really good main event this Saturday night. Um, the co-main event I'm not really looking forward to. I think I mentioned it after the last time Olenek fought, I don't think Olenek should still be fighting. Um, but it's Alexi Olenik versus uh, Sergey Spivak. I'm going to start this one off. I'm picking Spivak. He's 12 and two. he's a lot younger. Um, could Olenik catch him because he's inexperienced? Absolutely. This is a fight that's actually kind of more set up for Olenik to win because his grappling expertise if he, if he catches Sergey. But I think Olenik's so punch drunk at this point, I think he's going to get knocked out. I don't know. Brandy, what do you think?
1: I'm going against you. I got the old man, Olenik. I'm. I'm. I. I. I know his last fight. He didn't look too well. But the last two think, fights. Uh, but I think. I think. And he's gonna bounce back. He's gonna get that hand raised. Of course, most likely. I it'll probably It'll probably be a submission. And uh, that'll it. And that way, I will still be again ahead of you because again, you are gonna take an L once again.
0: Dan, uh, play devil's advocate. You all talking about the same guy. Uh, Sergey fought a very tough fight against Tavora, who looked great last week. He beat Felipe, who won this week. Uh, He lost to Walt Harris, but like we always said, Walt Harris has knockout power, and he got caught. The only thing you can really say that he gets caught by is a knockout power. I mean, he's only got two losses, and that's not Olenek. What do you think? I'm going speed back in this. Uh, Olenek is known for – Yes, I'm not alone. Ha-ha, Brandon. uh, He's
2: known for – Catch a uh with the submission, that's what he's known for. I think he's just too old and he's losing his step. He's not going to present that much of a challenge with the striking, whereas Spivak... Each fight, it seems like his striking is improving uh, just from fight to fight. It gets better and better. He, he likes to throw straight punches and jabs. He tends to go with takedowns, uh, but I don't think he's going to do that. I feel like he's just going to get up on the scorecard, do anything he can to avoid the clinch because he knows that he, there's a chance that he uh, could get submitted any chance because of uh, a Linux. I feel like he picks up a, a unanimous decision victory. I think he takes
0: all three rounds. I'll throw this out there, too. Uh, Olenek's lost four of his last six fights. Uh, He got knocked out by Dawkins. He got knocked out by Lewis. He got knocked out by Walt Harris. And he got knocked out by Overeem. He got a submission on Maurice Green, who's not that great. Um, He's up and coming, but he's not that great. And he got the split decision against Verdum, who's looked so-so his last few years. I think Olenek is in trouble, especially that Dawkins fight. Um, He's 43 years old. Um, ironically, he's younger than me now that I just turned 44, but I haven't been punched in the face for 74 fights. So, uh, I'm picking a uh, Spivak as far as our individual picks, Dan, I'll let you go ahead and start. What's your uh, fight to look out for? Um, the fight that I picked was
2: Martin Vera versus Davy Grant. I think it's going to be a very fun fight. It has a chance to be fighting the night. First, we got a uh, Marlon Vera. He really likes the, uh, Throw kicks. So you saw the fight with uh, uh, Sugar uh, Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley. He, he was able to kick him with the one thing shot, mm. and it affected the whole fight afterwards. Especially with the leg check, he has a strong like Muay Thai background. He likes to he fights southpaw, which is good for this fight because Grant fights, of course, orthodox. And then you got Grant, who fights kick. He's a kickboxer, so he likes to throw a lot of kicks, but he likes to go with the takedowns. I think what's going to make this really fun is the fact that I feel like when he's going to go for takedowns, that Vera is going to try and throw that knee that he likes to do in the clinch, and I feel like it's going to have an effect on us, but I still feel like even with his last fight, David Grant wasn't looking so hot, but then he connected on that one punch because he has that knockout power, I feel like David Grant's going to steal a victory with this matchup. I I feel like Vera's going to look good early, but he's going to make one mistake, and Grant's
0: going to capitalize. So you think Grant's going to win? Yeah. It's going to be a fun fight. Brandon, what's your fight pick?
1: You know me, King of the Ladies, man. I got to go with the ladies' first fight of the night. I'm going with Casey O'Neal. I know she's an up-and-comer. I think she's 6-0. Uh so I think she's gonna be seven and i Uh probably see this fight, probably most likely going all three rounds. Uh, but I think it but I think she's gonna but I think she's gonna get her hand raised. She looked good against
0: Shannon Dobson. So uh, I would probably agree with you on that one. Um I've gone back and forth. Um I didn't put my pick out there to begin with, so Dan kind of stole my pick. But um, that said, I let the guests go first and pick their fight. I was really torn. I kind of thought about doing the Diego Lima-Matt uh, Brown fight. I thought that would be a cool fight between vets. Um, I also thought about doing the Tim Means-Danny Roberts fight. But actually, one of the fights that kind of stuck out to me was Kaylin, what was, uh, Kaylin Williams versus uh, Matt Um I'm from the DC area. So Matt smells from Frederick. He's a about 45 minutes North of DC. So he's a local fighter from up there. i um, kind of on the rise, but Kayla Williams, uh, chaos, <laughs> chaos, the, chaos, the Oxfighter, the longest nickname ever. Um, he has looked great up until that Pereira fight that he just had. And, and Michelle Pereira has made a lot of people look bad. Um, that said he looked uh, fantastic against uh, Razi Hassan, knocked him out cold knocked Murano out, um, had the decision uh, in the regionals before he got the call-up to the UFC. I think the kid has a lot of potential. He has a lot of power. Um, the only way uh, <laughs> Semi the Jedi, <laughs> Smelsberger, uh wins is basically by knockout, and I just don't think he can go toe-to-toe with Williams. Um, I think Williams has a speed advantage. I think Smellsberger actually has the reach advantage, but I think the speed and, and, and the power of uh, – of chaos is going to be a big difference. And one other thing I want to say about that card, by the way, obviously, obviously some great veteran fights, uh, the Alexi Olenek versus uh, Spivak fight, uh, is the boa constrictor versus the polar bear. So can't go wrong with those nicknames as well. Uh, Dan, any other fights on that card you think we should keep an eye
2: on? uh, that's that's about it. Like I do like the Lee Matt Brown one. It's going fun I, fight. And up until the the fight got cancer, I was looking forward to the Tim Means Roberts fight. But now uh, Roberts withdrew, and Tim Means is going to be on next week's card now, uh, replacing somebody. So you can look for him there. But other than that, I think it's going to be a pretty uh, decent card for being a,
0: a fight night. Yeah, this fight nights have been pretty great this year. Uh, Brandon, anything else you're looking to on that
1: card? I think, I think you kind of picked it all. I kind of was looking forward to see how uh, Chaos uh, bounces back uh, from his last fight. And, uh, yeah, Matt Brown, uh, Lima fight. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm always interested in that because every time I always see uh, Diego Lima, I'm like, man, sometimes I think you should be in Bellator while your brother should be in the UFC. So we'll see how that fight goes.
0: I think Lima's thing is, like, I think Matt Brown's going to make him fight more. Like, against Bilal Muhammad, that fight wasn't super exciting at times. Um, And I think that was to Muhammad's advantage. I think if Lima's drawn more into a fight, like Matt Brown will just kind of come at him, I think it's going to be a much more fun fight to watch. Um, But it should be a good fight night this Saturday, uh, UFC Vegas 29. Uh, Before we get out of here, uh, I know you just posted the uh, Kyler Phillips interview. What else is going on over at Cage My IQ, Dan? Uh,
2: next week, I'll be uh, releasing the uh, Joshua BCO one interview that I just did the other night. He's the strawweight champion for uh, one great guy, great kid, up and comer. He's really quick. I think he, he's very really professional. Uh, he's waiting to get booked now. He hasn't been booked since January of 2020 because of COVID. Then he had a knee injury. But you can check that out. And then I'm getting ready to do my my own preview for UFC Vegas 29. So you can check it out later tonight or tomorrow morning.
0: Brandon, what's going on with you this week? Anything else new, exciting? You knocking anybody's head off? Uh, UWA uh, knocking on your door to come back?
1: Nah, man. I just want to say shout outs to those guys, man. Appreciate them for having me. It was good. It was good. It was good to be back with some uh, familiar faces. Like I said, I I haven't been in the wrestling ring. I think since, like 2003 was the last time I did I did anything. They 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 welcomed me with, with like open arms. It's always good seeing those guys. Uh, but yeah, shout shouts, man! You guys are wrestling fans. You're local in New Jersey. Check them out. UWA Elite. They're, they they oh, are New Jersey based. We got a couple of people like my man. Uh, <laughs> KTB, like my guy KT. No, I was gonna say my, my guy KTB. Uh, uh he he's, he used to UWA, but he was just on AEW Dark last night. Him, him, uh, him, him, and his tag team partner. They went up against the uh, the uh, Dark Order, uh, Evil Uno, and and uh, was it uh, Drew Drew Grayson or Stu Grayson? Stu, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so I mean, be on the lookout for for all, for all these local guys. You know, support su- support support your 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 indie wrestling promotion.
0: That's one thing I like about AEW. They do a lot of with the dark and evolution. They just give these like it's not on TV, but it's still a platform. It's still like millions of people watching on YouTube. So. Cool little thing they're doing, um, giving a lot of people a platform and hopefully even more when they get a second show uh, next year, I think, Um, or later this year, depending on what happens with that TBS thing. But, ladies and gentlemen, that's enough wrestling talk. Uh, Make sure you watch out for Brandon. He may need you at any time or just kick your head off. Uh, We do got a couple new shirts up in the shop, so make sure you check out shop. Of course, all the show notes will be below, Uh, all the links to uh, Dan's show and all the cool stuff he's got going on as well. For Brandon, Dan, and myself, thank you for watching. This has been another episode of Art of MMA. We're out.